So from their first Passover celebration in the desert, God the Father commanded his people to hold annual celebrations and feasts throughout the year in order to recall the goodness of God and to keep it forefront in their thinking. It was critically important for the future of God's people. I mean, it was quite literally life and death. It was important for God's children to remember the steadfast faithfulness of God and to teach it to their children. In the early centuries of the church, it became evident that the strong rhythms of time and honored celebrations could be used to help Christians remember and reclaim the saving events around Jesus' life. There are two great cycles in our Christian year. One celebrated Jesus' birth, the incarnation of Christ, of God amongst us. The other is Jesus' triumph over death on the cross, his resurrection. Both of these great inbreakings, these events, are centered around who? They're centered around Jesus. In the rhythms and in the celebrations, year over year, Christians are being called and inspired to orient and center their lives around him, remembering and reclaiming and retelling what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. This is what we call the Christian or worship year. And closing out this year, we've entered into the the cycle of light. And we spent the first four weeks of December entering into story and coming alongside some notable characters from the Christian narrative, haven't we? We joined the faithful throughout both the Old and New Testament who longed and who looked for the inbreaking kingdom of God. For some centuries, the Christian church has commonly referred to this as the advent, the anticipation of God's kingdom coming into our world. And on Tuesday evening, on the eve of Christmas, we began the celebration of Jesus' birth. And on Christmas Day, we entered fully into 12 days of Christmas celebration known as Christmastide. Not many of you have heard that word before, have you? Christmastide. Did you know that you're still in, in that time of celebration? Isn't that good news? So keep celebrating. If Christmas wasn't particularly celebrative for you, keep pushing. <laughs> keep looking. Keep celebrating Jesus inbreaking into our world, keep celebrating his birth. Emmanuel, God with us. And looking at our traditions and following Christmas tide, the traditional church enters into a time called the Epiphany, a time of proclamation. It heralds the good news that God's kingdom has come and that our Savior and King has been revealed. 
And it began, firstly, with the lowly and the meek, and perhaps even the prophets in the desert. And there are certain shepherds in a field. To those obscure ones who went to the tape, went to the temple faithfully week after week, year over year, waiting and worshiping God. Now, thankfully, God has never disengaged himself from the plight of mankind. But he has always been faithfully revealing and acting on his intentions for the healing and the redemption of all lives. God has not been silent nor has he been absent. But just as the Old Testament prophet Isaiah announced over 700 years before, the sudden inbreaking of his kingdom came with the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 9, verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus' coming heralds an eternal truth, doesn't it? If I have hope for you, for myself, for our vineyard family during this Christmas season, it's a goal to recognize that the kingdom of God is at work amongst us and that he's at work in the world all around us. And having found him at work, it's my prayer that we would take that next step and to courageously say yes to his invitation over and over again, continuing to say yes to his invitation to join him. Saved, and unsaved alike. Christ is inviting everyone to come, to come after him, to follow him, and to believe in him. How do you feel about somebody standing up here and encouraging you to believe in him? Well, maybe you're saying, but I've already made that step. Well, God's still inviting you to continue to believe in him. How does the reality of God's inbreaking kingdom affect your thinking going forward? From today, going forward, in particular with this upcoming year, what are you hoping for? What kinds of challenges are you facing in your life right now? I want you to hold on to those thoughts about these questions. I want you to consider them in light of today's scriptures. Brent's already given out a bit of a clue as to the things that we're going to be looking at here today. In fact, Bonnie pointed to a section of today's scripture only two weeks ago. And today, I, I want to focus on them with a little more intentionality as we read an excerpt from Paul's letter to the Corinthian believers. Second Corinthians verses four, or chapter four, verses seven through nine. But we have this treasure in jars of clay 
to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Wasn't that, I love that line from the song. Where on earth did they come up with that? Oh. Moving on, in that same chapter, he says, Paul encouraging the Corinthians, therefore do not lose heart. Though inwardly we are wasting away, yet, yet outwardly, sorry, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes on what is seen. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. Let me do that again, because even I'm getting mixed up here. It's important. It's actually the clue to the the whole purpose of what we're here today to do. Let me try that again. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow. I wonder how many times the Corinthians had to read that over and over again. What did he say? Fix your eyes on those things that are eternal. It's hard for me to read this passage out of Corinthians without thinking about Paul's letter to the Philippian church. In fact, you know that this, that this truth resonates with Paul. It's his encouragement to all of the church, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Keep your heart fixed on him. All of you, collectively, as a group, as a whole, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Some older fathers of the faith, maybe even some desert fathers, have talked about our faith being kind of like a hub of a, of a big wheel. If you think about a construction of like a wagon wheel or some kind of a spoked apparatus, that all of us, with our eyes fixed, fixed on Christ and moving towards the center, towards him, are growing closer and closer and closer in unity to one another Functionally, we are in unity. We always have been, but there is something as we draw nearer to Christ that comforts us, and it's one another. It's my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is Paul's encouragement, not only to the individuals of the church at Corinth, but to the church as a whole. It's to to the collective body of Christ. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. Because it's eternal. Thinking back over the year, and it's appropriate that we're having this kind of a conversation at this time in the year. Thinking back over the year, and looking ahead, what what do you see there that lies ahead for you? 
Is it another 24-7 auction text? It's, it's Christmas movies from the kids. But what's, what's lying ahead in your year for you? Like, when you look ahead at your year in front of you, are you looking at it with some enthusiasm, or are you kind of gritting your teeth just a little? Oh, good. Look back over your past year. Were there things that you had hoped for? Were there things there that, that didn't happen? Are there some disappointments? Were there situations or events that happened that you weren't expecting? Surprises. They can come in some of the most unexpected ways. Other situations could have come as some unwanted unwanted loss or even suffering. And maybe the effects of that are still spilling over in you and from you. Maybe those effects still are leaving you anxious unsettled, and and maybe even potentially isolated. For one of my good friends in Alberta, it's been a year of critically needed changes and cutbacks to his company. It's, It's been seasons of him downsizing and laying off numbers of his workforce. Many of them had families and dreams of their own. Many of them were long-term friends. If you're from Alberta, you know that it's been five years of some hard recessionary times. It's been a a tough cycle. And part of that cycle necessitates adjustment and change. And it accumulates. And sometimes it takes a toll. And sleepless nights are are just a result of so much suffering that weighs on his heart. Good men, good women, good and faithful people of God are not immune from experiencing suffering and loss. And even sometimes some loss of direction at some point in their lifetime. We all suffer it. But it's exactly this kind of scenario that God is encouraging us in during this time. Look for him. This is what our Advent story has been. This is what the Christmas celebration has been. Look at the lives of the people in our Christmas narrative who have encountered the kingdom of God. God is encouraging us to look for him, to press into his presence in our life. It's precisely in these times that God does some of his best work, you know. That's a forced smile. It's like that emoji that just kind of knows, you know, like, yeah. He's doing a good work, yeah. It's precisely in these times that we need to look for his kingdom to break into our lives. 
He wants us to look for him. Ask for him. Draw near to him. It's often in the darkest of times that God's light invades and breaks into our world. As I shared briefly, as part of the Advent candle lighting on Christmas Eve, Jesus is very literally the light of the world. Don't don't be looking for any other. You don't need to when you have him. Whoever will follow him will never walk in darkness. Those are promises heralded from his mouth. But he says to us, you will have the light of life with you. If you choose to follow him, you'll never be alone. If you choose to follow him, you'll never be without him. If you choose to follow him, you will never be without the light of his life illuminating his path for you. Are you being diligent to look for him? Have you, have you heard the call? Come. Come and see the Christ child. Come and see for yourself. I love that about your message, Bonnie. I think that that kind of leaked out amongst many things. It's not enough just to hear the message, but it, God is always inviting us to come and experience him. Are you beginning to see any signs of his inbreaking kingdom in your life? Are you? Has it felt like it's been waning? Has it been like an explosion of revelation? Like, are you experiencing his inbreaking? Are you feeling prepared for the, the year that's ahead? Born out of necessity, we take time, don't we, to prepare for a great many things in our day, even including coming to church. <laughs> if you're like me or anybody else I know, you're maybe setting the alarm, and you're maybe trying to think, how much time can I possibly add to the sleep time? Can I just, can I get another 20 minutes or 30 minutes of rest? And then you do that, and then you lie awake for 40 minutes worrying about how much time you took to consider how long you could sleep. And <laughs> or you could not use any alarm at all and just blame it all on God. God, I'm going to rely on you to wake me up. And then when he wakes you up at five, don't be blaming anybody. I'd be, I'd be thinking, just in case you're getting any ideas. But we take time, don't we, to prepare our day. We, we groom ourselves for work. We, we plan for trips. I hope you plan for trips. Debbie is our chief planner and negotiator. She books flights. She arranges our schedules. She packs and repacks. 
I try to leave it for the last minute. Well, we prepare, don't we? Some of us good, some of us maybe not so good. But how about preparing ourselves for the, the, these deep places in our soul? Do we, do we think to take time to, to plan for this? And this in relation to the, the year that's maybe ahead of us. Have you taken any time to consider what kinds of opportunities and, and glory awaits you in the year that's ahead? I like to emphasize that. Maybe there's some measure of the pragmatic that's in work within you as well. After all, we, we still live in a world that holds some potential for setbacks and trials, don't we? But how do you, how do you prepare your soul for all of that? Hmm. And I say this with all good intention. Thank God, graciously, actually, we are not all-seeing and all-knowing. That is not your job. That only belongs to one. So the, the sooner you get that off your list, that's good. Thank God we're not. We're not trying to be him that way. I want to be like him. I want to reflect his goodness that I saw in his son, but I, I don't want to do his job. I don't want to be him that way. But what about developing and preparing ourselves so, so get this, so that we don't miss out on the good that God is doing and, and welcoming into us? What if we need to wake ourselves up in this place so that we can see more of God that's maybe already at work or that is, is coming down the pipe. Wow. It's kind of like having our, our lamps full with oil, isn't it? Waiting. Always in a season of being prepared. On the other hand, what can we do to strengthen ourselves for setbacks, for trials that are, are certain to be a part of our experience. Well, thankfully, they're actually both the same. It requires this same amount of welcoming and work that God invites us into. I've never forgotten what my good friend Neil Black had to say about oppositions and barriers. It sticks with me. I don't remember anything else that he preached that sermon, but I remembered that one thing that he taught. He said, David, they're sure to come, these oppositions and barriers. But, but don't look at them as failures but as and, and impossibilities, but look at them as maybe God-orchestrated opportunity for you. Turn, flip it around on its head. Opportunity for God to break in and, and to impress us all. Your life is a clay jar. Paul had some things to say about this in his second letter to the Corinthian church. The apostle had a, a clear starting space, didn't he? He says, we are those humble jars of clay. 
That's what Paul was trying to say to the Corinthians and he's saying to us, start off as a humble jar of clay. Paul's advice to us is start in the place of humility. Begin first by confessing that that you, that that we are, are just humble containers. But not just empty containers. No, we're humble containers full of Christ's glory and presence. Quite a picture, isn't it? It's not a particularly threatening picture, though, of our true condition, but it does mimic the very nature of Christ who put on himself, didn't he? He put it on himself. He humbled himself and took on the very nature of a servant. And yet he was full of the Holy Spirit, full of God. When we acknowledge our true state, when we embrace both the humility of being a simple vessel and we welcome the abiding and living presence of Christ's glorious spirit within us, then we are ready. We're ready to partner with Father God who loves to work through the most ordinary of people to accomplish sometimes the most extraordinary things. But I'm going to say to you, of the extraordinary things that you do, most people will not even know that you've done it. Except for maybe those ones in your life where you've reached out. (laughs) Have you been asking God to fill you with this Holy Spirit? Are you willing to let him pour you out as he sees fit? I've been thinking back over this Advent season and and how many of our our prayer opportunities that I've encouraged us in is has been in to invite you to be filled with this Holy Spirit. But then I took a look at what happens. And really the second question is as important as the first question and maybe more important, are you willing to let him pour you out as he sees fit? It's both beautiful and sobering, isn't it? If you want to see God's inbreaking kingdom breaking down the gates of hell and destroying the work of the devil, which is why Jesus came, He said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. That sounds like some opposition or potential for it. Or it just sounds like a whole lot of opportunity. But if we want to see these things, then we need to be committed to seeking his kingdom first. We've got to be willing to let him pour us out as he sees fit. Our scripture today both presents both wisdom and a revelation of the Spirit from our author Paul. But it's also written from a perspective of truth and life that he's learned through suffering and through a discovering a deeper, all-surpassing and prevailing power that came to rest on him who was God himself. 
the funny nature of what we're benefiting from in these words that Paul has given us today. Is that they're birthed out of saying yes, and they're birthed out of a place of having his own life being poured out. In fact, Paul uses those very same words in Philippians. Like an offering being poured out. (laughs) Are any of you feeling hard-pressed? Are any of you feeling perplexed? Maybe a little disillusioned. Are any of you feeling under any threat of persecution? Are any of you feeling struck down or discouraged? I want you to know that you're in good company. I want all of us to hear this and acknowledge this essential truth. Whatever you believe the obstacle is, hear me again, whatever you believe the obstacle is, my encouragement to you is to believe in God. God is breaking in. No matter how difficult you believe your situation is, I say to you again, believe in God. God is at work in you. He's not wasting Anything, even the suffering. He's at work in you to renew you and to reveal his glory through you. Have you been finding yourself growing cold? Have you all but run out of the capacity to love others, much less love yourself? Believe me when I say, and believe what this... Apostle Paul has to share with us God's love, his all-surpassing power is all we need to break through. God himself will see to it and his grace will sustain us along the way. And so I turn back to what we've already read and I just simply read this out over you. Therefore, Do not lose heart. Though inwardly we are wasting away yet, yet outwardly, sorry, we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. A final point here of today's message is welcome God's inbreaking kingdom. More than anyone on the face of this planet, God is inviting us to be known as a people who know how to love well. We know how to love well because we've experienced the love of God well. You can't live what you haven't experienced, can you? God wants the people who live out their lives. He wants us to be living as people with remarkable power and hope. 
Paul's advice to the Corinthians church, his advice to us today is to fix our spiritual eyes on the one who is eternal and to believe. Okay, I've said that before, haven't I? But I'm saying it again. So we fix our eyes. Why don't you read this with me? So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Having practiced a season of anticipation through Advent, and now having moved into this Christmas celebration of Jesus' birth and the kingdom's arrival, can we begin to look ahead to the proclamation of God's inbreaking kingdom? Can we ask God to give us eyes, spiritual eyes, to see what he's doing? Can we ask God to give us courage, a willingness to join Jesus as his agents for real change that people ultimately need? This world needs what you've got. They really do. You may not feel like it sometimes. You may be thinking, well, they don't need that. (laughs) But they really do. They need to know what you've got and who you've got and who's got you, maybe, hey? People need the salvation of the Lord. And they need the healing and the deliverance that his kingdom most certainly brings. During our Christmas Eve service, I was trying really hard to follow the itinerary that was laid out. Because there's this, we've kind of made this crazy promise that we're not going to monopolize your time, but we are going to, we are going to, we are going to take one hour, exactly one hour. And we want you to bring your whole family and believers and unbelievers alike, I don't know, procrastinators, bring them all. Just bring them all. Skeptics, bring them all. Come and celebrate Christ with us. And we know that we've got to honor that time. But we found ourselves just with this growing and growing celebration and anticipation going here. And I was just about coming apart at the seams up front here. And I finally leaned over to Brandon after Don Mayone had just, you know, got up and preached for 16 minutes and 50-odd seconds, you know. He was only allowed 15 minutes, but we gave him the extra. We didn't pull him off the stage. But there was such a, a, a poignant kind of presence of God that was here amongst us. I mean, I've, I don't think I was the only one that felt it. In fact, I got a text to the otherwise, people thanking me that I took the time to stop and to just recognize that the Spirit was at work amongst us right there in inviting him to come and asking people 
again because of this message that we've been just pounding out, pounding out week after week. Say yes. Say yes to him. Say yes to him. If he's presenting himself to you, say yes. And, you know, I found myself fighting kind of, I don't want to inconvenience you with the kingdom of God. I mean, that's what I kind of felt like rising up in me. But we must recognize that Jesus is present. And I came away from that event wanting and wishing I had said something more. Done just one or two more things. The thoughts were kind of flooding me. And the weight of that was both glorious and hard to carry. And I think part of that was just this burden for people to come into some kind of decision to follow and to say yes to Jesus. To stop walking around and wandering around in the darkness because I've been there. I hate the darkness. I hate that darkness. I like it dark when I sleep at night. I do admit Lights in the kitchen that come down, wafting down the hallway and into our room. Or my wife casually skipping into bed and leaving lots of lights on and <laughs> telling me that she's okay, she can sleep through it all. Like, I don't like that kind of darkness. That light, just, ah. I like darkness and that's it, but I have experienced darkness. I read my daughter's Facebook her anniversary text, just a little while. She didn't share it with me, but she shared it with the rest of the world, I guess. I don't know, but I read it. <laughs> if you want to learn something about your kids, read their Facebook. <laughs> but she, was, she had come to an anniversary, and she spent a good chunk of that thanking God for her, her family and her, her husband, but even more of that just sort of heralding what God has done in her life. And she talked about seasons previous where she had walked in so much darkness. And I thought, yo, God, you're good. Right? It was, a, it was like celebration, but with it is this, just this kind of weightiness about living in darkness, about, well, it's not living, I know the difference between darkness and light. And I, I left here and flying off into a plane to Calgary thinking about people and praying into those people's lives and, and hoping that somebody heard that invitation, that somebody said yes. As I look to the year ahead, I want us... I want me to be more proactive to invite people to say yes. To coin that old term, I want to see souls saved and in the kingdom. So Jesus, we, we thank you for being so welcoming to us, for chasing us down. Right? For chasing us down, Jesus. May we experience the more of you in this year ahead, Jesus. As individuals, as your as your 
as your family in Christ, Lord God. This body corporately, may we experience the more of you, Jesus. I want to encourage you, don't lose hope. You're, you're going to feel discouraged at times. It, discouragement will come. It does all the time. But look for God to break through. So, Lord God, by any and every means, let the revelation of the Holy Spirit quicken our hearts. Quicken our hearts in our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.